When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Mary Kate Cabot, Scott Patsko, and I look back on the off-season program and offer up some things that we took away uh, from what we got to see and hear throughout OTAs and then also during this week's mandatory minicamp. Uh, the off-season program wrapped up on Thursday with a practice at First Energy Stadium, so everybody is going their separate ways. They'll be back for training camp at the end of July. Uh, Now, look, if you're not a Football Insider subscriber, now is the time to get on board because we don't stop. You know, it might be kind of a downtime for the players and and even some of the coaches, but we don't stop covering the Cleveland Browns. And Football Insider is your way to get more coverage. Access to exclusive stories on Cleveland.com slash Browns, a newsletter delivered to your inbox every day. And of course, you can become one of our text subscribers. So it's Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get more info and get signed up. All right, here we go. Our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Here we go on our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I said today, uh, standing on the sideline watching practice, it felt like the last day of school. And it sort of felt like that afterwards, too, when players were waiting to do their availabilities. They wanted to get to those podiums and get out of there um, as quickly as possible today. I'm sure I know. I think they had something else going on after practice, but uh, these guys were ready to go their separate ways after a long offseason program. So uh, let's kind of recap what we saw, some things that stood out, uh, good attendance throughout. Um, we saw a good amount in the, what was it, six practices that we ended up watching. So Mary Kay, what, I guess give us one thing here to start us off that stood out to you during this offseason program. Just more of an explosive passing game. I mean, just really cranking up the passing game, using the, uh, you know, the offseason program as a passing camp and kind of bringing that passing game uh, into the 2022 season and and getting it up to speed and everybody watched all of those high flying games last year, all of those explosive games, the Browns, that's why they went out and got Deshaun Watson. It's why they went out and got Amari Cooper. They know they've got to be able to score points in a hurry. Uh, They have a defense that, uh, that held teams to 16 points or fewer on many, many occasions last season and an offense that could not keep pace. And really, that's the, the number one overarching thing uh, to me. The whole this whole offseason was just getting that passing game up and running. I think that was really driven home to this week and being able to see multiple practices within one week. Um, you know, prior to that, we, we got one OTA, you know, per week and it was just kind of stretched out. And even though they said, yeah, it's a passing camp, we did see some running plays, but I thought between Tuesday and I didn't, uh, I didn't go down to Canton for that half hour, um, basically walk through, but between that and and what we saw at first energy stadium, it just, it was really pounding that passing game and, um, Deshaun Watson getting a ton of reps. Um, and it was clear that they really wanted to be in a good place when they did break for the summer, uh, you know, going into training camp. 
And, and I thought it was interesting. I think it was the first day of minicamp that, that Kevin almost said, and I wonder if this is what these programs are going to look like long-term. He almost said it's, it's all, you can't really do a lot in the run game because you can't have contact. You can't go, you can't put guys in pads. You're not having line, you know, lines bashing into each other. And so almost out of necessity, it, it had to be a passing camp. And so that combined with the fact that they had to sort of modernize and update their passing game this off season, created a little bit of a perfect storm. Scott, you said something though, that I think we need to circle back to. And that is the fact that, you know, Mary Kay Deshaun Watson took a lot of reps, mm-hmm. especially when we were out there and Scott mentioned, I mean, he was taking first team reps. He would go with the second team. Then we see Jacoby Brissett, Josh Dobbs didn't take a ton of team reps and that's pretty normal for what we've seen from Kevin Stefanski. He doesn't really give his the quarterbacks lower down a ton of reps and teamwork, but I did find it interesting that Deshaun Watson took so many reps uh, with the first and second team when, when we were out there and saw team drills. Well, they have to bank reps with him right now uh, because they just don't know how long he's going to be out yet. Uh, there was another report as we're taping this today on Thursday, there was a, a report by Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk where uh, the NFLPA is expecting an unprecedented uh, punishment for Deshaun Watson. So uh, that starts to sound more like that year that we've been uh, hearing about gaining steam a little bit. And again, I don't know if it's just one of those things that people keep repeating and nobody really knows uh, if it's actually true or not. Um, but, uh, you know, if he is going to be out for a long period of time, then, um, and, you know, let's say that they give him a year and then it gets knocked back to eight or something like that. Um you know, they want to bank as many reps as they can get as much work with him as they can in now. And it'll be a little bit tricky to try to divide that up between Jacoby and Deshaun. But I think they wanted to build that foundation to have him have his timing down in the event that that he's done on, you know, whatever, September, whatever, before the season starts. And then nobody sees him for the next eight weeks. So I think that has something to do with it. Yeah, it's weird to it's like, what is the best <laughs> best way I go about this. Do you really work Jacoby Brissett with the thinking that he's probably going to play a significant amount or at least a lot more than you would expect a backup to normally play? Or do you just, you know, like you said, bank all these reps with Deshaun Watson thinking he's going to be out for a long time so that there's not as much catch up. I mean, it seems like that's it. And they figure that, well, we got training camp and you can get Jacoby Brissett a significant amount of reps there. And at that point, you figure you're going to know exactly what your situation is. Um, But I guess there's multiple ways to go about it. Uh, I don't remember it being this lopsided, though, at all when Kevin Stefanski first showed up in that dynamic, you know, with Baker Mayfield necessarily. I, I don't know. I, you know, you, you also, you're also adding in obviously a new quarterback and a new, you know, tweaks to offense within all of this. So I guess at the end, maybe this is the best way to go. It's just, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I guess they're really thinking they're going to know by the time training camp starts and they figure that is enough time to make sure Jacoby Percet is in a good place by week one. Yeah. I, yeah. I, that, that's kind of the point I was going to make was like, Jacoby's probably going to get a bunch of reps in training camp because by that time, the Browns are going to the, the suspension. God, I hope at least the suspension will be known by then. Hopefully we're not still sitting here on pins and needles. I mean, that this is sort of like what everyone's doing though, Mary Kay. It's like, 
the Browns have to prepare for life without Deshaun Watson, but they don't necessarily know how long. I mean, for us, when we talk about this team, we talk about it, but we almost talk about it in two separate ways, right? Like life with Deshaun and life without Deshaun. It's almost two separate teams that we're talking about. It, it is really hard. I mean, it is hard <laughs> to try to write about this football team, to talk about this football team when everything has an asterisk after it, right? I mean, you cannot reasonably talk about where does Deshaun stack up in, you know, in the AFC North or in the AFC? Where do the Browns stack up? How many games are they gonna, going to win? What kind of predictions? It's prediction time. I mean, usually you get done with, you know, the off season and you're starting to think, okay, you know, this team's going to go what and what, and, and we just don't know. I mean, we have no idea. The players are leaving here, not having any idea. I mean, Jadavian Clowney talked today after the practice at first energy stadium. And, uh, and he talked all about how he came here this year uh, for, for two major reasons, because he was going to follow Deshaun Watson, wherever he went. And because he's chasing a Super Bowl. Well, those two things are hand in hand. And if he doesn't play the whole entire season, then that goes up in smoke. So it's just, it's, it's tough on everybody right now. Especially those of us who are trying to come up with uh, (laughs) a summertime series. You know, we usually do a series on uh, questions surrounding the Browns every summer. Uh, We've called it 20 questions, 21 questions. There are like 20 or 21 questions just surrounding Sean Watson, right? And even Baker Mayfield situation. And uh, those are probably going to happen before uh, we start writing these. So we kind of, I thought we'd leave those out. You know, there's just, <laughs> there's too many questions this season. Yeah. All right, Scott, what did you, uh, what stood out to you from the offseason program? I think the middle of the defense, um, after you get past the defensive line, the, the guys in the middle of the field, I think, really stood out. And again, because it was a passing camp, you saw a lot of seven on seven. So you saw, uh, you know, the defensive backs really shine and the safeties. And you saw guys who are going to be out there and passing down. So, you know, JOK, Jacob Phillips, that pairing at linebacker is something that I think they want to have on the field when they know the other team's going to pass. Behind them, Delpit and JJ3. Uh, those four guys, I think at least three of them have had picks um, or at least not all of them have at least knocked passes away uh, that, that when we've been out there to see things. And I think that's a good sign for this defense that you have fast players who are flying around the field and making it difficult. And I know you got a quarterback who's trying to you know learn an offense here, but uh, it is a good sign that uh, speed seems to be obvious out there and the guys who you would assume are kind of the core uh, in the middle of this field have played really well. Um, so, you know, the passing defense ended the season on a good note and it seems they're starting, they're, they're heading into training camp uh, in a good place. You know, for all the questions surrounding the offense and Deshaun Watson and everything happening on that side of the ball, I'm, I'm excited to see this defense and it feels real because we saw it in action last year. You know, we've gone through training camps where it's like, oh, this defense might be pretty good, but there was really nothing to back that up other than the fact that they were going against like Deshaun Kaiser or RG3 or something. Um, that this is a defense that we've seen perform on Sundays and we saw play really well towards the end of the year last year. And then Mary Kemp's sort of starting to let myself get talked into this defense being top five, maybe like they could be that good. Yeah, you know what? I actually think they can be. And the reason why I think that is because 
Uh, we saw flashes of a lot of really good things last year, and they did it with a lot of really young guys who I think are going to be much better this year. And they did it with, uh, you know, some guys, in, you know, inside at defensive tackle that aren't even here anymore. So I actually kind of think even though the defensive tackles this year are, you know, still a, a bunch of sort of no name kind of guys, um, I kind of think they're going to be better than they were last year. Um, and then um, when you look at, at JOK, with everything that he went through last year, I think we can reasonably expect him to be better. I think we can reasonably expect Greg Newsom to be better. I think we can expect Grant Delpit to be better. I think we can expect John Johnson three to be better because they'll know what to do with him. Uh, the only little uh, glitch in the program right now actually happened in the final practice of minicamp. And that was midway through practice. We watched, uh, we watched Denzel Ward. He did something to his lower left leg. He sat on the bench. Uh, our, our photographer, uh, Josh Gunter got great photos of him sitting there with his shoe off and the trainer kind of tending to his lower left leg. Then he walked slowly into the locker room and, uh, we actually have video of that. And, um, like, uh, like we said on our video, it was good news that he walked in by himself. He didn't get carted in. He didn't get, he didn't hobble off. He, but still it's not something that you want to see. So hope, hopefully for everyone involved, there's nothing to that, that, you know, that he didn't, you know, pull a muscle that'll keep him out of the early part of camp or something like that. But, um, but if it, if he's healthy, and I think that's a, you know, that he's a big part of this, if he's healthy, that secondary looks so good. The linebackers look better. The defensive front looks better. And I do think they have a, a good chance of being a top five defense. Yeah. The good thing is they have a lot of depth there now and they have a lot mm -hmm. of talent and obviously losing Denzel for any period of time would be huge, but um, you have guys who uh, have experience and uh, who are getting significant reps because, you know, he went out, you know, Martin Emerson got a lot of first team reps and even with Greedy Williams, he hasn't participated in everything when we watch practice. AJ Green been in and out um, uh, when I've been paying attention to that. Uh, so Martin Emerson is kind of working his way up and, and kind of getting some some serious reps, which is great. Um, but you know the corners have never really like over the past X number of years of this defense, the corners have not been the problem. It's been covering tight ends. It's been explosive plays down the middle of the field. We saw that a lot last year with just miscommunication and, and issues. And I, I know their coverage of tight ends got a lot better last year with JOK showing up with Anthony Walker performing well. Um, you just have that. If you have the middle of that field locked down, it just helps you so much. And it forces things to the outside where you have guys like Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom and guys who are going to make big plays for you there too. And and I think we'll see, you know, when you mentioned Martin Emerson, I think we might see him if, if he develops, quickly enough in camp we might see him get a shot inside to maybe go against some of those tight ends with that length and that ability I mean he he can he kind of looks like a safety in some ways and and I think that they're I, I think they're willing to kind of experiment with this idea of let's take some let's take these slot corners and see if we can stick them on you know they're not going to face Travis Kelsey in the regular season but let's see if we can stick them on one of these really good tight ends and put them on Mark Andrews and see what happens Mm -hmm. yeah, and, and all of those things, uh, you know, we're seeing all of that and, and we're seeing these guys 
you know, really just react and play faster than they did last year, some of these young guys, which I think is great. And the way that Joe Woods has responded to this is, and he has told us this, he's heaping way more on their plate this year. So I think you are going to see more, uh, more of an exotic defense. You'll see more blitzing. You'll see guys doing more things. You'll see JOK used in a variety of different ways. Uh, so uh, again, as we've talked about before, you'll see some of the safeties playing in the slot. Uh, and I, you know, I, I just think that, you know, he's probably looking out there and, and feeling like he's just got a cornucopia of talent that he can do so much with. And, uh, I, you know, I mean, they were pretty darn good last year and, and they've gotten a lot better. Delpit's such a big part of this too. Having him in a situation where he's not trying to figure things out. He knows the defense now and he's, we're assuming he's one of the starters and he's again, the guy we've, we talked about as that hybrid player before JOK ever showed up. He was that guy the year before that uh, that people thought was was going to kind of unlock some things for this defense. And and now you have both of them, two guys who can move around and do different things. And yeah, I think this, this defense can be really good. Okay, we'll take a break here and we'll get to some more things that kind of stood out to us from this offseason program. And back on the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. Uh, so I, I guess for me, this is a familiar kind of refrain, but I, I do think the fact that so many players felt the need to be a part of this did matter to an extent. Uh, I think especially Deshaun Watson um, being there from day one kind of set a tone, I, I think, for this team. I, I think you had, I mean, you really only had Miles Garrett was in and out. Jadavian Clowney kind of signed and left. Uh, David Njoku was holding out for a little while uh, and, and Joel Batonio didn't arrive until mandatory minicamp. But for the most part, you had your full roster there. And, you know, I just thought the tone of the camp was kind of, they have high expectations, but we also didn't hear a ton of bravado necessarily. Like it felt like they had to show up and earn it a little bit. And even Jadavian Clowney today, when he said, you know, the goal, he doesn't, he didn't come back here to win eight or nine games again. It's not like he was standing up there saying, all right, we're going to the playoffs. This is going to be easy. We're, we're going to the Super Bowl. It just, it, it feels like there's a clear vision with this team and understanding what they need to do to get where they want to get to. And I, I think that starts with the fact that they did have really strong attendance for this. Yeah, I, I agree with you hundred percent on that. And I think it also fostered uh, the big, one of the big overarching themes of this whole entire offseason has been camaraderie. And we keep hearing it over and over and over again. And they really are uh, trying to be that kind of team uh, where they hang out together. They get along. Now, of course, it's a lot easier when those COVID restrictions are dropped. And I, we asked um, Anthony Walker about that yesterday. What is different? Well, one of the things that we all know is different is they don't have the Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham Jr. rift split and the aftermath of all of that. But in addition to that, they don't have all of the, the COVID restrictions and all these different lockers and all the testing and all the different things. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's sort of feels back to normal life a little bit. And it'll be even more normal when all of a sudden, you know, the season starts and there's, you know, open locker room and we're in there talking to people. And so it just feels, um, it feels normal. 
And then, um, you know, even today when Jadavian Clowney was talking, a lot of guys really look up to him, but a couple of guys, you know, popped into his press conference, you know, in sort of in a goofing around kind of a way. And Amari Cooper asked him for his RSVP to his birthday party. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> so he asked him for that. And uh, Dearness Johnson asked him what his goals are. So, you know, so there's kind of like a, a, a feeling of, you know, upbeat, you know, it's, it's just, it's fun. They're having more fun. There was the basketball hoop. Uh, they went to the Bahamas. They went to South Beach. Uh, a lot of them are going to Amari Cooper's birthday party in Miami tomorrow night. Like a large segment of the, t- I mean, like a bunch of them are going down to Miami uh, to actually go to his birthday party, uh, which I asked him about that today. I said, how does that make you feel? These guys are, are your new teammates. He was like, I, it means a lot. I'm really happy that they're coming. Um, so I think that that, you know, that goes right back to what you said. The good attendance has led to sort of the you know these sort of good vibes and good feelings with each other plenty of field trips too and you mentioned like you know the offense doing stuff and i like are they setting a precedent do they have to do this every year is miles gonna have to and deshaun gonna have to fly people around the country and around the globe to keep up this great camaraderie i mean i don't you guys have been obviously mary Kay has been doing this longer than we have i can't remember like other things like this usually it's just you know the quarterback getting together with some receivers somewhere and uh and doing that during the off season but this was just a whole different level and then you got the field trip down to the hall of fame and everything that was involved in that um so it seems like it's a good meeting between the coaching staff and the front office kind of making some things happen to to make sure that that players are are you know not just having fun but just the whole camaraderie thing and then the players themselves so um it's a good start and i think uh I'm interested to see like where this, what, what happens next year? You know, is this, that's a lot of money. I mean, these guys make a lot of money, but still that's, you know, I, I'm curious to see if this happens again. There's been a lot of extensions handed out though. So, so like, if, you know, if, if you got Deshaun and like Joel and Wyatt and Nick Chubb, if they all sort of decide next year, like, okay, let's all go in together on this, at least like help me out a little bit guys. Yeah. I, th- I think maybe, uh, maybe you can make it work. I, I do think, speaking of that locker room and the COVID restrictions, um, one of the things that I thought was interesting, and we haven't gotten to see, like, Kevin Stefanski's locker room yet. We haven't gotten to see what it looks like and where the nameplates are and where he puts guys. And I thought it was interesting that David Bell's locker is next to Deshaun Watson's. Again, I don't know how that how that's set up, but, you know, in the past, the quarterbacks have sort of been in their corner they usually get a little more space because, you know, they're usually, if, if they're being interviewed, they need that space. They're, they're the quarterbacks. Right. But I did think it was interesting that, okay, they decided to put Deshaun Watson next to David Bell and coaches do this stuff on purpose. And that's obviously to build that connection and, and allow David Bell to sit there and kind of learn, you know, from Deshaun Hey, let's do this. We we need to do this differently. I need you to be here on this play. It's it's little things like that that you're also kind of gaining through this this offseason program. It's not so much the practices. I mean, those are what they are, but it's that stuff in the locker room where you're actually doing football things, where you're in meetings, where you're getting coached, and you have guys like Deshaun and David Bell connecting off the field and making sure that they're on the same page when they do get out there to practice. Yeah, I thought that was really significant too. 
Uh, and David talked a lot about it yesterday. And he talked about how uh, Deshaun has been coaching him up. And I think they, you know, very pointedly put uh, David there so that Deshaun would take him under his wing. And I think he has done that. And I think they really want David to come up the learning curve very quickly and to be a very, very significant part of this offense. I think he's going to be out there uh, a, a fair amount in two wides and a lot, of course, in three. Uh, and uh, they have high expectations and high hopes for him. And so far, it seems to be working just in terms of what we've been able to see on the field. And he did reveal that he has only dropped one pass the entire time of all the OTA practices and the mini camp. So, um, and it was a day that we weren't there. Uh, so he did not have to admit that he, he didn't have to tell <laughs> us about that, but, um, but I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, yeah, I, th I think that, um, that there's a method to Kevin's madness there. I wonder, I wonder who has the Joe Thomas Memorial, uh, well, not Memorial, <laughs> but honorary uh, end of the, you know, end of the row locker, because the way it used to be set up, Joe Thomas kind of at the end of this line that I think they kind of like put leaders of the team, obviously a lot of offensive linemen, but, um, you know, Doug Deacon would always be hanging out there. <laughs> and is Amari Cooper's locker anywhere Nick Chubbs to Nick Chubbs, because that'd be like the quietest well, yeah. area of the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think they gave that locker to Greg Robinson for a stretch, but then yes, they, they did. But then, <laughs> but then they upgraded. If I remember right, like JC Treader might have been there eventually, yes. like after Greg Robinson was gone. So they, they kind of got that squared away and, and put one of the one of the leaders there in that spot. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good spot. It's a good spot for Batonia this year. We we should we should use one of these pods in July to design our own locker room. <laughs> yes, yeah. that would be funny. That would oh, that would be good. So what did you guys think about um, Joel Batonio not showing up for any of the offseason program or any of the OTAs and just coming for the mandatory minicamp? So I, I didn't mind it. Um, I, you know, again, th these guys have earned the right to do that if they want to. And, mm -hmm. you know, Joel is obviously close with JC and I'm sure that he, um, I don't know how much of a, he, he seemed to indicate yesterday that wasn't a big part of it. He had family in town or he was with his family he was out in California or whatever, but he, there was family around. He's got two young kids. Um, you know, I could understand that, you know, making the case that, Hey, you should be there. You're one of the leaders. You're one of the most important players, but I, I don't have a problem with him skipping the program. And, and look, it seems like he showed up and was in shape and ready to go for mandatory minicamp. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's Joel Batonio and it would be hard to fault Joel Batonio for <laughs> anything at all ever i mean he is the team he, right i mean he's the team spokesman he's such a great player he never misses a game i mean he's just a great guy he's a great teammate and i think he was trying to sort of make the point i think that uh jc treader probably did have a significant impact on him in trying to say look we do need some time off we do need our break we do need to take care of our bodies it is voluntary let it be voluntary and you know don't hound people that aren't there. That's not what this is about. If you want to show up fine, if you don't, so be it. So I, I think there was a little bit of a statement there and I'm fine with that statement. I mean, he's, he's watched Joe Thomas and JC Treader both get to that point in their careers where they basically didn't practice very much. And maybe he's trying to prolong, you know, getting to that point. I don't remember him missing a ton of things when he's not injured. Um, he might get the veteran days, right? But uh, those guys, you know, 
most days it's like they were there but they weren't necessarily practicing and um i think uh Batonio got got all the injury stuff out of the way early in his career and he's he's been on a good roll here of late and i'm sure he'd like to keep it that way yeah and you know he said he was watching the practice film um on the on the ipad or whatever they go on the surfaces uh so he was watching the practice film and keeping up with that i i mean i do think like to, to go back, this is sort of in contrast with what I said about guys showing up. I, I mean, I understand why the NFLPA is making, a, you know, they don't want to do away with it, but they want to reiterate this idea like it is voluntary. And like, mm-hmm. you know, we've we've all had kids go through sports, right? I'm sure we've had these discussions with them like, yeah, I know this practice is voluntary, but maybe you should go. Like, it'll make mm-hmm. you look at And that's kind of what the NFLPA doesn't want their players to necessarily have to feel is like, I know it's voluntary, but what's going to happen if I don't show up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's a it's a fine line to walk because the coaches really want you there. No matter what they say, they really want you there. And I think Kevin Stefanski made it very clear this year that he really wanted his guys there. Uh, and, you know, he wants the, um, you know, the team building. He wants the mentorship to start happening now. Joel did take advantage of the Bahamas trip. So good for him. Oh yeah, of course. That's, <laughs> that's a but, pro move right there. Yeah. Can I, <laughs> can, I inter- can I interrupt though, Mary Kane? Yeah, like, sure. And does it, even though Kevin site kind of said that he wanted guys there, yeah. doesn't, didn't it feel like it was still more player driven? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I, I think so. I mean, player driven with, uh, you know, just a sort of a, a vibe that it would be really cool if you guys show up. Yeah. (laughs) And I think it's okay to do that. I think it's okay for a coach to do that, uh, to express how important it is or how important he feels it is for them to show up. I've heard Andy Reid do it. I've heard other coaches do it. So I don't have any problem with that either. Uh, But I I understand where, where Joel is coming from. And, And I actually think he was perhaps making a little bit of a statement about how guys need to take care of themselves and how, you know, and I think that as you guys mentioned that being so close to JC Treader, I think that had an impact on, on his decision. Yeah. And you know, like, like we said, he wasn't the only one miles didn't show up for a lot. Uh, you know, Jadavian, like we said, signed his contract and got out of there. Um, so there were some big names that just sort of decided not to be there. And, you know, with miles, he's kind of a guy that he has his own regiment and, you know, Joel doesn't post a lot on Instagram or social media. So I don't, I don't know, maybe he's got a million workout videos on his phone that we've never seen, but I I'm sure he stays in pretty good shape. And that's, that's really kind of what it's all about. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's usually, I mean, it's not like there's mass, uh, you know, skipping of OTAs around no, the league. It's usually, usually, it's usually the guys that are like, a but you know, a Petonio who are older, who are entrenched, who financially secure, you know, or like the Njoku situation, maybe you're, you know, you want to, you know, you want a new deal or the Duke Johnson situation a uh, handful of years ago where he, you know, said he wanted out. So it's those kind of guys. Um, sometimes it's a quarterback, <laughs> but, you know, the Browns don't want to be in that position, obviously. It, 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 I think the Browns, at least over the past handful of years, it's been the guys that you kind of assume they would be in and out guys who have dealt with injuries or guys who just, you know, are at that point in their career where they know they're on the team, they're getting paid well, and they know how to work their body and they'll be here when they need to be. One thing it'll be interesting to watch is, uh, and again, I don't know if it, if it, the new fields will have anything to do with it or not, 
but let's see what happens during training camp in terms of uh, fewer injuries. I mean, it was ridiculous last year with all the muscle pulls and maybe it's not just the fields, but maybe it's a comprehensive program uh, to try to, uh, to cut back on these soft tissue injuries. And I mean, they just cannot go through what they went last year. Every time you turned around, somebody was pulling a hamstring or a groin or something. I mean, they probably had to go buy new bikes just to make sure everybody had one for practice at one point. It was bad. Right. I mean, it was, it had to be one. I think it had to be amongst the worst in the league in terms of the soft tissue injuries. It just seemed like uh, all, all of the, the top players were struggling in that regard. So I'm very interested to see how that shakes out this camp. The other thing, I mean, this is, this is a podcast into itself. So, you know, we don't have to go too far down this road, but the other thing, and, and one of the things that would make a lost season seem so frustrating is when we talk about guys skipping OTAs and mini camp is, I think one of the themes of this offseason was sort of what David and Joku was doing. Like, I'm not going to show up till I get a new deal. I, I do think in the next two to three years, we are going to see some guys who maybe have gotten new deals as these numbers go up and up. I mean, I actually thought this when Aaron Donald got paid, like there's, there might come a point three years down the road where Miles Garrett is like, I'm not showing up to minicamp because I want a new contractor and Mario, you know, mm-hmm. Mari Cooper could do it next year. Um, you know, I think we'll see this as these these numbers and these markets start to change at some of these positions. And that, that's something Andrew's going to have to deal with um, kind of in a different way when it comes to the offseason program. So I think the reason I bring that up is it sort of hammers home the point that generally speaking, outside of the Deshaun Watson situation, I don't want anybody to hear me say this and be like, well, what about Deshaun? Yes, the Deshaun Watson situation is what it is. But financially and contract wise and all of that, this team is fairly settled right now. And I, and I think that that showed in everybody showing up, nobody complaining, nobody holding out outside of Njoku until he got done. Uh, everything was just sort of, all right, we're set. Let's go. I mean, I wonder how much last season's finished though, like the record and just things didn't work out and the disappointment of that. And a lot of guys not playing at the same level they had the year before maybe had something to do with it. Um, one would think. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think the, the excitement on the part of the players about Deshaun Watson being here, I, I think guys wanted to come. I think guys wanted to be here. I think guys wanted to get their timing down with him. I think he set the tone as the leader of not just the offense, but of the football team. And I was listening to um, Jeff Legwald uh, of ESPN in Denver, ESPN.com in Denver, talking about uh, the, the impact that Russell Wilson uh, has had, uh, and, and what it's like to have a quarterback that, uh, that, you know, that kind of has that, uh, that the power and the authority to, to really set that leadership tone and people will follow him and lead him. And I, I think that's happening with Deshaun. Okay. Anything else you guys want to bring up before we, uh, call it a, an off season program here on the podcast? I think our off season program went pretty well. I think we got everything <laughs> done that, that we needed to get done. Um, no, we break. did confirm. We did confirm that the Dawson flag is, in fact, back at First Energy Stadium. It had been missing That's for true. a while. So, if you were concerned about that, we did see it today. It's waving. Oh yeah, we yeah. did see. We also saw a nice fifty-yard field goal at the the stadium today by Cade York. That would, and he signed today, by the way. Yeah. Um, that would have been good for sixty yards. So <laughs> I think I think that's encouraging. 
the so. the Dawson flag um when when he when we were at rookie minicamp it had Ashley and me drawing pictures of the stadium to try and figure out which side was south and north and where the flag would be and somewhere in one of my notebooks I have a picture of the stadium and a lake and a sailboat it was we were trying we not neither of us were very good at direction so hopefully Ashley doesn't get lost in Nashville this weekend and uh, she'll be back on the podcast next week and we won't have to send out like a search party uh, to go find her yeah uh, we uh Whenever we have these uh, young people like Ellis and Ashley, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're in a lot Mutes. of weddings. I mean, Mutes. they're on the right. They're on the mm. wedding circuit. So this is I don't know if this if if Ashley where she is in, uh, you know, in, in the 27 dresses movie that she's in. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so we'll have to hear some tales from Nashville when she gets back. Yes. yes. We'll just hand the podcast off to her, uh, her first, uh, her first day back. Okay. That'll do it for this edition of the orange Brown talk podcast. Make sure you're a football insider subscriber, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. We were texting uh, throughout the day, all sorts of stuff, including, Hey, we texted you the training camp schedule. As soon as it came out, you could have taken a screenshot of it, put it on your phone right there, just through a text. Didn't have to look for it or anything. So cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. And of course, make sure you're subscribed to our podcast, wherever you listen, uh, subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. For Scott and Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.